Welcome to the Alenia Church Podcast, your place to catch all of Alenia's previous messages. If you live in the Murfreesboro, Tennessee area, we would love to meet you in person. We meet Sundays at 9, 15, and 11. Make plans now to join us for Easter at Alenia on March 31st. For location and directions, opportunities to get involved, or opportunities to support financially, you can visit aleniachurch.org. That's A-L-I-N-E-A church.org. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. Enjoy. Let's get into uh, our scripture this morning as we're continuing this series on Rednecks, uh, the 12 Disciples, uh, finding ourselves in the 12 Disciples, and I hope it's been beneficial to you. And here's our key verse for this series, Luke 6, 12 through 16. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight come, listen to that. I I told my wife, I've been out of Tennessee since I was 18, and I still sound like a complete hick sometime. I I don't know what it is. It's just stuck in there. I I, I about said daylight. Uh, When daylight came, um, I should talk like that anyway. I should have done this entire series like that. I don't know if any of you have got anything. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he also called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now I'll fast forward into Acts. After Jesus has died, resurrected, and ascended, we have this particular passage I think is critical for us to understand when it comes to the apostles, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, Pharisees, or, or this is the Pharisees' perspective, and realized they, hey, they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Would you pray with us this morning? God, we pray for your anointing. We pray, uh, Lord, that you would hide me behind your cross, that you would speak through me that you'd keep my mouth shut where i don't need to speak i don't want to say anything in my spirit i want to say everything in your spirit Uh, and god i pray that you including myself would open up our hearts our minds our ears to receive your word this morning in jesus name amen well we have been on a long journey so far we have talked about judas and judas we've talked about how one of them had a critical spirit and one of them had a curious spirit and what we could learn from that. We uh, also learned about uh, Philip and Andrew, uh, childhood friends that had the same passion of bringing people to Jesus. Um, last week, we heard from the amazing Will McCabe. Give it up for Will. Did a great job uh, talking about James and John and uh, the Sons of Thunder. How do you say that? Bono? Bono? Boanerges. I cannot believe I asked you to preach that, and you had a band called Boanerges. I was like, this is like, this is ordained of God. That was amazing. So I, I learned that on the front row last week along with you, and he said that. I was like, what? You've been holding out on me. I was so excited to hear that. And today we're going to talk about two people that quite possibly couldn't be any more different, um, so much so that they were on the opposite ends of the political spectrum. Speaking of politics, I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for this year's election. I mean, are you just not like so just, just, it just jazz, man. It's so excited. It's going to, 
the mudslinging that's going to happen, the name calling, the hatred, the Twitter fights. It's just going to be amazing, right? I'm so excited about it, right? You've got to be excited about that, right? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody's excited about that. I mean, that, that's what, that's what uh, culture wants us to do. They want to put us in, in two different camps. I mean, right now we're fighting over Beyonce. <laughs> Is Beyonce country or not? I mean, this ain't Texas, ain't no hold'em. You got to lay your cards down, right? I just want to say this to all of my TikTok influencers and Instagrammers and everything. You do not have to put that song on a video of you making bread. It has nothing to do with you making bread. It has nothing to do with you disciplining your children. As like, I, I, we're just, I, my wife is in her flipping through, t- through uh, Instagram. We don't have TikTok, but she's flipping through Instagram. And I, and I promise you, every other video, is, I'm hearing Beyonce. And I'm like, come on, people. I mean, it's a, you, I know you like this song, but let's not, let's not wear it out. It's going to be one of those songs where we're sick of it in like a month, right? But society wants us fighting, right? They want us fighting. One of my favorite Christmas movies now, it's at the top of my list, is Will Ferrell and and Ryan Reynolds, and it's Spirited. And there is this particular musical. It's a musical, I'm sorry. They're singing, so you're going to have to put up with singing and dancing. But there's there's a particular song right at the beginning of it where he says, it's not enough, it's not enough for them to love you. They've got to hate your enemies more. To which... Will Ferrell says, kind of makes me want to push an old lady down the stairs, right? <laughs> right? That, that, that's, what, that's what society wants us to do. They want us fighting all the time. But, and, I, and I look at these two, and I think, like, what if they were placed in our culture today? What would it look like? And, and I think that it is a great lesson for us about how Jesus wants us to approach life and approach culture and the two the two guys if you don't know this is Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot Simon the zealot so let's talk about Simon the zealot first why was he called the zealot well nobody knows I mean there's some theories that he was just a real zealous person that he was very excited about everything, right? You know those people, you have to give, like when you introduce them to your friends, you gotta give them disclaimers. Like, you, I know he's, he's a little much, he's a little, he's a little out there. You know, we, we try to keep the Red Bulls away from him, but he's just really excited about everything. I mean, you know those people, I mean, right? They're, they're like vegans or they're CrossFitters or whatever. They're just really excited about what they do, right? They're really excited about what they do. So maybe he was just really zealous about whatever, whatever he was doing, I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I think more, more likely he was actually of a group called the Zealots. See, in Scripture, in Jesus' time, there were four primary, well, actually there's three primary political groups, but there was also this outside group. So they were the Essenes, all right? And so they were the sectarian kind of group. They're very pious. Uh, They were the ones that would isolate themselves. That's actually how we got the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was probably from this group, all right? Then we have the Sadducees, and the Sadducees were sad, you see, because... Old Baptist joke, but it's because they didn't believe in the resurrection. But these were the aristocracy, uh, the religious aristocracy. They were born into their position. They were li- religious leaders, and, and, uh, and, and no one really liked them. And then you had the Pharisees. No one really liked them either because they were the religious 
establishment. And they, they were the ones who followed the rules. But they didn't just follow the rules. They would find rules to the rules. I mean, they, were, they, were, they, would, they would figure out, like, well, how much, how much burdens can we put on people, right? And so a lot of times you see Jesus clashing with this group, with the Pharisees. In fact, it's really funny. There's this one scene where uh, uh, they're, 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 between, they're in front of the, the religious panel, and you have the Pharisees, and you have the Sadducees, and someone lobs out a comment just because he knew he could get them fighting at each other. So they didn't even like each other. But then you had this fourth group. This fourth group were the zealots. And the zealots wanted to overthrow the government, right? In fact, they, they think that they can trace the idea of the zealot or this sect all the way back to 6 AD. And there was this guy named Judas of Galilee. And he was very angry about this census that was enacted. And so he rose up and started a rebellion. It was the same census that led Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. And so out of that started this group called the Zealots. And they wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire. They saw the Messiah as the guy who was going to be a military leader. He was going to come in. He was going to take over. He was going to, he was going to rally everybody around him. He was going to fight the Roman establishment. And he was going to push him out of Israel for good. So they saw justification in riots in uh, violence, they saw justification in all of those things because they thought the the uh, the uh, how do you say that? This is what's called a brain fart when you don't have enough sugar in your brain. It, they justified the, they justified the means to reach an end, right? So that that's that's how they operated. They're like, it's okay, God is going to forgive us because the more important thing is that we serve God, right? Don't necessarily matter if we cause violence. We need to serve God, right? And so that was Simon the Zealot, right? So you got to think that, that he's, he has a zeal for the law. He has a zeal for Israel. He has a zeal for, for uh, all the Jewish culture. He has a zeal to see the Messiah established and, and God to take over. And he's going to do everything in his power to make this happen. And so we don't have any dialogue from him. We just know because he has a label on him. And his label is Simon the Zealot. Well, Matthew, we don't have a lot of dialogue with Matthew either, but we have a, we have a label on him too. And what's his label? His label is he's a tax collector. And what does that mean? Is he the IRS agent? You know, right? No, what, what we have to look at is... In the time, we had two different types of tax collectors, all right? We had the tax collectors that were taxing uh, your income. They were taxing your property taxes. Listen, if you ever moved from Virginia, come on, my Virginia people. We moved to Tennessee, and we got rid of property taxes. We don't have to pay a tax to own our car every year, which is really, really nice. But that's what that kind of tax collector was, is... You would tax the income. You would, and, and so they, they had like rules. They, they, it was pretty solid what they were taxing. Then you had the other group. The other group was taxing anything that moved. Postage, parcels, uh, uh, imports, exports, 
Toll roads, come on, how many of y'all love those toll roads, right? right? I remember, see, growing up for me, toll roads were, were driving by a basket and throwing coins out the window. Now they got the little things on the top of, the top of your window, and you just, meow, you just go right through. You don't have to stop anymore. But I kind of missed a little ching-ching, you know, dropping the coins in there. But anyway, you had, you had those type of tax collectors. Those type of tax collectors were also divided up into two, two groups. You had the one group that was kind of high up, they were in their office, you didn't see them much, they were controlling everything, they were the chief tax collectors, all right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, climbed up the sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, he was a chief tax collector, right? But then you had the other tax collectors that were doing the grunt work, and they were the ones in the booth, that's where we find Matthew, Matthew was the booth tax collector, he was hated, hated more than anyone. I'm telling you, he was hated more than the Roman soldiers. Why was this? Because he would, like, how much is postage? Postage for that is 25 cents. I'm going to charge you 50 cents. Well, what's 25 cents? No, I'm telling you, it's 50 cents. How much is a toll here? It's a dollar. No, it's $2. So they was constantly doing that, and they would skim off the top. So they were very wealthy. Because they knew how to work the system. And in working the system, they bore down and put burdens on the Jewish people. So Matthew, you have, you have Simon the Zealot who is wanting to, to overthrow the Roman Empire. You have Matthew the tax collector, and he's fraternizing with the enemy. Right? He's, he's the one who's cooperating with them. He's the one who is not just cooperating with them. He has turned his back on his Jewish heritage, and he is helping the Roman Empire. And in doing so, he is lining his pockets. And so we have two complete opposite ends of the spectrum. You have Simon the Zealot. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch you in the mouth if I get my chance, right? Like, you're against God, I'm taking you out. And so it had to, like, really mess with him. When you have Jesus come on the scene, he says, I want you to love those who hate you. I want you to pray for your enemies. Right? I mean, I, he, Jesus says that, comes out of his mouth, and Simon Azale is like, what? Say, say what? Say what? I'm, I'm not sure. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? You're the Messiah. You're supposed to overthrow everything. I'm not sure how I like this. And then you, had, then you had Matthew, the tax collector, and he's doing wrong by his people. He, he's hurting them. He's putting burdens on them. He, he's skimming off the top. In fact, my picture of Matthew is kind of like this, this weasel, slick-haired guy, like mobster, like sitting up in his office counting his coins. And, and they would actually, those, those tax collectors, those, those booth operators, they would send thugs out into the community to go collect the taxes. That's Matthew. How, how, how well-loved do you think Matthew was? But Jesus passed by. Jesus passed by, and we get, we get this beautiful picture of, of what Jesus can do for people. And what Jesus does for Matthew is he, he says, listen, I want you to follow me, but I want you, like, there were, there were so many stories of tax collectors. This is always interesting to me. They're the ones that are most hated by the Jewish, the Jewish people, 
and you see so many stories of tax collectors coming around Jesus because he was so compelling. And they would sit there and they would listen to him. And you have, a, you have one story like Luke 3.12. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. They're like, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this. I'm going to be baptized into the school of Jesus. I'm going to be baptized into the followership of Jesus. Uh, that what, I, I'm, I'm buying what he's selling. I'm, I'm, I'm smelling what, what he's stepping in. Like, I, I, want, I, want to follow, I want to follow that. You don't ever hear that. That's, that's, I'm going to throw out as much of these little redneck things as I can. I'm smelling what you're stepping in. And, 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 and so the tax collectors, they came to be baptized, and they asked him, Jesus, they said, Teacher, what should we do? It's like they get baptized. They're like, okay, what's next? And what does Jesus do? He addresses their sin. Don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. They're like, oh, we can do that. There, there is a school of thought in Christianity that we are going to be battling that is, listen, Jesus wants people to come to him just as they are and leave them just as they are. And I'm telling you, that is so antithetical to what Scripture teaches. Jesus takes in the sinner, but what does he say? Listen, stop doing what you're doing. Listen. What does he, what does he say to the prostitute? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. What does he tell the tax collector? Stop taking more than you're supposed to. He addresses their sin. And then we have this, this passage, this beautiful passage of, of Matthew. Some, some, some passages they call him Levi. Matthew, Levi, the tax collector. It says that Jesus, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. He's sitting there in the booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. Listen, Christianity is not that difficult. It is do what Jesus says. Jesus says, follow me. What did Matthew do? He's like, well, I need to go to seminary first. And I need to, I need to, I need to get in and I need to find a good Bible commentary. And can you recommend me a good study Bible? And I, I, need, to, I need to study about the, the Trinity first. I'm not quite, and can you under, help me understand the, the, the justification? I mean, help me understand how uh, the blood sacrifice works and atonement. I need to figure out what the, how's all that work? No, what Matthew does, he goes, all right, I want to follow him. He says, come follow me. And he got up. And he followed him. And while he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now when he heard this, he said, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What is Jesus saying right there? Listen, everybody in this room that's around this table, we're sitting down, and we're eating, we're reclining, we're talking, we're laughing, and we're telling stories. And, and I'm telling them about 
me and I'm telling them about the kingdom of heaven and I'm, I'm, I'm sharing truth to them, these guys, they know they're jacked up. Deep down in their heart, they know they're broke. Deep down in their heart, they know they're sinners. You all, you just don't see it. You think you've got it all figured out. You think that you're righteous. You think that you're perfect. You think that you can just follow all your laws. And you think that you can check your boxes. And you think that you can cross your T's and you can dot, dot your I's. And that's going to give you righteousness. Have you forgotten that our righteousness is as filthy rags? So says scripture. Jesus says, listen, I've call, come to call sinners, not the righteous. It's the people who are sick that need a doctor, not the ones who are perfectly healthy. He's being sarcastic. Oh, you got it. You're righteous. You got it. You're healthy. You don't need a doctor. You're fine. Far be it from us that we ever get to the point where we think, we're fine. We don't need Jesus. We're good. We've got it all figured out. But look at this man who's turned his back on Jesus. What does he do? Well, the first thing he does is he follows him. He obeys the call. Have you ever heard of a thing called inertia? Man, I hate inertia, right? I, and I'm not talking about inertia like you got a car stuck out here on the train tracks and the train's coming and, and, a, and a force in motion wants to stay in motion and that thing does not want to stop, right? I'm talking about the inertia of me laying in my bed. That's the inertia I'm talking about. I'm talking about the inertia of me sitting on my couch, flipping through Twitter. Uh, I'm talking about the inertia of me sitting there watching a basketball game. I'm talking about the inertia of I really don't want to go outside and clear the bank. I, I really don't want to go outside and mow. I really don't want to go and fix uh, the door. I really don't want to, I really don't want to get up and do my quiet time. I really don't want to get up and pray. That's the inertia I'm talking about. That inertia, man, it is, it's the thing that fights us every moment of the day, right? Because you ever ran? Anybody who's ever ran before, right? A few of us, right? Yeah, we're crazy enough. Like, I don't know what we're thinking when we do that. It's like, let's run! <laughs> and we get out there and we start running, right? And those first, those first, like, half mile, maybe even a mile, it is everything within you to not turn around and go, this is for the birds, right? Amen. Amen. But then when you get past like mile and a half, maybe two, I remember one time I ran a half marathon and I swore to myself, I'm never doing this again. But I, I got, I was running and I trained for it and I was running and I was running like mile three. I was like, I'm doing good. I can do this. And then mile five, I'm like, I've got this. This is easy. And then mile eight, I'm like, I'm going to make it. And then I got to mile 10 and I'm like, I'm going to die. But once you get over that hump, that inertia, man, the, 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 the power that you have in your movement, like just getting up off the couch, just, just saying yes. Some of you on the volunteering, it's an inertia thing. You're just going to have to go, all right, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to volunteer for the, for the kids' race. I'm going to volunteer for, for the new move. I'm going to help set up and tear down. I'm going to greet people. I'm going to smile. I'm going to smile. 9.15 in the morning. Oh, get it off. Hell, smile. It's an inertia thing, man. We, we fight that inertia. But, but the, the, the compelling call of Jesus, it broke Matthew's inertia. 
And Matthew is like, all right, I'm getting up. And I don't know where this is going to take me, but I'm going to follow him. And you know what he did next? Matthew worshipped. What do you mean he worshipped? He threw a banquet for Jesus that cost him something. Remember what King David says? King David says, far be it that I ever offer a sacrifice to, to God that does not cost me something. And so he, he offers a feast for this guy that he barely knows. He's heard about his teachings and stuff. And for some reason, he looked at him dead in the eye and said, hey, I want you to follow me. He's like, hey, let me throw him a big feast. And he throws a big feast and it costs Matthew something. He worships. Like when God calls us, we need to follow him. And I think the next step that we need to do is go, God, you're great. God, you're good. God, you're, you're holy. But the third thing he did is he, he grabbed all of his rebel rousers that he could. He grabbed all of his friends. That's why it says Jesus was sitting at the table with all of these tax collectors. They were the only friends that Matthew knew. Think about that for a moment. The only friends that Matthew knew were other sinners. Do you know why that is? That is why evangelism is so important to the local church. Is because when someone comes to Christ, you know the friends that they have, the people haven't come to Christ because they were in that circle. And now they can influence that circle. And the, and the gospel spreads that way. And what did Matthew do? He invited all of his friends. He's like, come to, come to church with me. We're going to have a big feast. We're going to sit at the feet of Jesus. We're going to listen to this guy that's got the power to change the world. And so you look at this. I'm going to ask Jeremy to go ahead and come on up. I don't know where I am in my notes. I'm like, I've, I've shunned notes at this point. I'm not, we're, 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 we're shooting from the hip now. But you look, at, you look at Matthew and you look at Simon the Zealot and and they were both sinners. Because Jesus, Jesus called Matthew a sinner, right? It's like, it's not the righteous that need, that need saving. It's, it's the sinners. I've come to call the sinners to repentance, not the righteous. But the disciples were there too. That means Simon the Zealot. He's considered a sinner. So here they are, these two sinners. At the table of Jesus. And I've got to think, and I don't know the, I don't know the chrono chronology like all perfect or anything, but I've got to think that at this point, Jesus has not chosen his 12, right? Because there were, there were thousands of people that were following Jesus. There were probably about 70 that were like so-called disciples. They were baptized into the way of Jesus. But Jesus then called 12 to himself right and so jesus prays all night because this is a big decision i think that if when you have to call leadership around you one of the things that you should do is you should pray 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 and jesus did that he prayed he prayed and he got up and he's like all right everybody got around everybody got around I impersonate a really bad Jesus. I'm not good at it, so bear with me. But Jesus is sitting there, and he looks around. He goes, all right, I need 12 of y'all to follow me closer than anybody else. You're gonna be, we're going to be the band, right? We're going to be it. We're going to 
you're going to be my core group. You're going to be running everything. And uh, I'll give you some individual responsibilities, but I need 12 of y'all. And here's the 12 that I want. All right, I, I need uh, James and John. Yeah, the loud ones. I need you too. Um, I need uh, Andrew. Um, go ahead and grab your little brother, Peter. Remember him as well. Um, I need little James, the little one. Yeah, short guy. There we go. I need him too. And I need Thomas. And I need uh, Bartholomew. And I need Philip. Uh, Thaddeus. Uh, Judas. Uh, and I need Simon. No, not that Simon. I need the one that's the zealot. Where's he at? I need Simon the zealot. And then... I need Matthew, the tax collector. And I wonder if in that moment, everybody is going, what? I mean, this is the idea behind this series. is because I look at that moment, and I'm thinking that if I was sitting in the crowd, and, and, and Jesus did that, I'd have been like, why is he calling, why is he calling a bunch of rednecks? He's going to change the world with these guys? But I think that internally there was probably some, some questions happening because I think that they probably thought, wait, the guy that wants to, like, slash everybody? Like the guy that's looking to pick a fight. The guy that, the guy that is, like, cheating our people? Matthew, we're going to go with him? What's going on here? I'm sorry, I missed something. Did I, did I miss an announcement before he got here and started doing this? I'm, I'm confused. But think about Matthew and Simon. I mean, think about Matthew's over here, and he hears his name called, and he was like, whoa. But then he hears Simon's name called, and he was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, think about Simon's over here. Simon's probably, <laughs> I think this is the way Simon would. <clears throat> Simon the zealot and I think Simon was like yeah yeah let's do this and then he hears Matthew the tax collector and he was like oh I'm out I don't know about this I mean think about that they are complete one is ready for the Messiah to take over and for, for him to establish his kingdom and to drive out the Romans. And one is over here and he is helping the Romans. One wants to, to overthrow the establishment. One is over here lining his pockets by helping the establishment. And this is what I want us to get from this picture. It does not matter who you are, it does not matter where you come from, it does not matter your background, it does not matter your history, and it does not matter your label. Because we have Simon the Zealot and we have Matthew the tax collector, but Jesus does not call us to take sides, Jesus calls us to himself. 
And that is the power of that moment. Because Jesus says, I want you to take your identities and I want you to lay them at the table. I want you to take your names and I want you to lay them at your feet. I want you to take your ideologies, whatever you believed, whatever you think is right. And I want you to flush it down the toilet because I'm not calling you to accomplish those things. I'm calling you to myself. And when you were called to the name of Jesus, when you were called to the person of Jesus, the power in that moment, the power in the freedom of the name of Jesus, the power in the kingdom of God to take people who were once enemies and put them at a common call. Because I'm telling you, in this moment, we need this more so than ever. And we can't change other people's thoughts. And we can't change other people's actions. But we can control our language. And we can control our actions. And we can control our voice. And we can control our attitude. And we can say, you know what? Because I'm a follower of Jesus, kindness is my response. Because I'm a follower of Jesus, love is my foundation. Because I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus, generosity is my privilege. Because I'm a follower of Jesus, I can embody everything that he represented. And that is hard in 2024. I'm telling you, it is so difficult. Because every time you open up the internet, every time you open up social media, you look at something, you read something, you're like, oh, that's so wrong. And I'm like, I'm not telling you it's not. But I'm telling you, our number one priority is to be called to Jesus. I'm going to take you one step further. I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to dig a little bit more. Because I read this and I thought about this and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, God, this hurts. Because I wonder if in that moment, some of the disciples were like, yeah, I'm good with you saving everybody. I'm not sure if I'm good with you elevating them. Because, like, what if someone from the other side, what if someone who doesn't believe like me, what if someone who doesn't think like me, what if someone who represents a different ideology, what if, they, what if Jesus calls them and they're radically changed and, and, and they turn from their sin and, and, they, and they repent and they begin following Jesus? And, and God puts a call on their life, and they, and they start representing the things of the kingdom. Would we be okay with that? Or do we see their previous identity? I had to think about that. I, I really had to think about that. But I had to keep coming back to this, the thesis of this message. Jesus does not call us to take sides. Jesus calls us to himself.